Thank you for listening to this audio recording produced by Truth Point Church in West Palm Beach. We exist to point people to the truth of the gospel. Well, welcome once again. If you uh, weren't with us for the announcements, we are glad to have you here with Truth Point. If you're joining us at home, welcome to you as well. And if you're joining us for the first time, we're continuing a study in the book of Hebrews. Um, We've been going through chapter 11, it seems like, for months, because it's been months, and and going through the hall of heroes, the hall of faith, all of these people, these great stories of faith, and we're actually going to be finishing out chapter 11 today. So as we uh, get ready to get started, I've got an experience that, that I had a few years ago, and it may be something that you identify with, either you felt this way. Uh, or maybe you've had somebody else come to you. I had one of my coworkers who was just having one of those just brutal years. Maybe you're having a brutal year. Maybe we're all having a brutal year. But it was one of those just individually brutal years. Family members had died. She was having health issues. Another family member that was very, very close to her had been diagnosed with cancer, and it seemed hopeless. And the reason she came to me was actually not because of that, but because somebody working, we were working in church ministry, somebody else working in the ministry, a a leader in the ministry had talked to her and said, you know, you've got so much bad stuff going on in your life right now. Are you sure there's not some sin you need to repent of? And she came to me and she's just devastated because it, it took, it held. This was a spiritual leader. All this stuff was wrong and now maybe it's all my fault. Maybe my family members died. Maybe I'm sick. Maybe they're sick. Maybe it's because of sin. Because if I'm suffering, I mean, I guess it's got to be, right? Because God is good. Why else would I be suffering? So as we go through the end of chapter 11 here, and especially as we read it here in a second, you may notice a part that seems a lot different than everything else we've done. And we're actually going to read as we close out, we're going we're gonna to open up the word out of order a little bit. Because there's a part in the middle of here that doesn't sound like all these great stories of amazing things happening. And we want to take that apart and see how it actually does fit right into what's being done. And so as we go to the word, remember what the author of Hebrews is doing for us as he's trying to tell us, hold fast, stand firm, continue in the life of the faith, be a people, do God's good work because Christ has taken care of you. And so let's start here in verse 32, hearing the word of the Lord. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak. Samson, Jephthah, David, and Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Now listen, things seem different. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in the dens and caves of the earth. And all these, though commended through their faith, 
did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you'd open up your word to us this morning. Uh, Lord, help us to see the message that you've brought to us, uh, that you've brought to us that, that you wrote for all of your people so long ago, and that even today, 2,000 years removed from the writing of this book, we can still open it up and we can be encouraged. Encouraged to follow you, encouraged to know you. Encouraged to recognize what you've done for us and bringing us into your kingdom. And Lord, if we're not seeing how it is that you have opened a pathway to forgiveness and eternal life. And Lord, let us be encouraged and let us be people who go out together to serve you in your world, strengthening each other's faith and bringing the gospel for the very first time to those who don't know you. Lord, we pray that that will happen here today in this body. In your name we pray. Amen. So I said we're going to do it a little bit out of order here because this middle section, especially for us, if you're like me, the first time you read it, it doesn't seem like it fits. So we're going to do that one last um, to, to walk out because these, these um, starting in verse 32, as we look at this, this really fits with everything we've heard so far. So let me, let me read again here from 32 to the first half of 35. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of the fire, escaped the edge of the sword, and were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign enemies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. You see in this a lot of the kinds of stories we've been hearing so far. Stories of people by faith achieving great things, people by, stories of people by faith receiving what was impossible. They didn't resurrect their own dead. God did that. People by faith acting and living and moving forward in the faith in ways that then God used them to fulfill his promises to the world. And if you've been with us, you'll remember this constant theme of by faith, which we don't hear as much here, by faith, by faith, by faith, and the ways that when we go look in most of these stories of the real power, the power was of people who were struggling with their faith, who if they went and looked inside, didn't find great faith in the moment, and yet they clung to the truth of God's promises, and they acted in faith, not feeling faithful, but acting in accordance to what the author of Hebrews has set up before, which is the promise that Christ has taken care of you. Christ has made the promises. God has promised to be faithful. And so you can live out that faith, clinging to it, holding on to it, even in moments that you're not feeling that great. And just most recently, last week, if you remember, by faith, the Israelites crossed the Red Sea. And we saw the Israelites, they did, they crossed the Red Sea. They walked by the power of God's promises in parting the sea through Moses and in the people's willingness to walk in what must have been terrifying circumstances, even though, as you remember, they were horrified, terrified, and didn't want to go. And part of the reminder to us is faith is often living itself out in our life by things that we're doing despite not feeling all that great, despite things being hard, despite internally going, God, I don't know what you're doing, but all I can do is go forward. I'm going to cling to it because if you're not there, I've got no hope. So what else can I do? 
And that is an important encouragement to us that people that we can look back at and go, wow, these heroes, they're a lot like me. They're flawed and they're broken and they're not always strong and sometimes they're terrified. And sometimes they're sinful, like David, who's on this list. And yet God still uses them. And so, so much of this story is a story of the people who went before us, like us, who, because of God's grace and God's providence and God's will, were used in mighty ways in the faith. And so that big picture we want to hear in this story, and it's repeated there, and the, as, as uh, the author does this, and it's nice because we do get, to done, get done with chapter 11, he opens up all of these extra stories, and he kind of does it in this, this sort of interesting, we do this language where we say we're not going to talk about something to talk about something, but then we can do it a little more quickly. You know, if somebody, if you're talking to your kids and if you're talking to my kids, and you're like, your car is filthy and you haven't washed in forever and you haven't taken care of your stuff, and you say, not to mention what your room looks like, right? So I, I, I'm not going to talk about how your room looks. I'm not going to talk about, well, actually, you are talking. That's what you just did. What, what, do, you, what do you mean you're not going to talk to me about it? That is what you did. And that's, that's what he's done. He's been listing these heroes of the faith, and he's essentially saying, like, and you guys know there's even more. Now, for us, we could have gone in and dug into every one of these stories because every one of them is a big story. In fact, a by faith we could do by faith with David for the next three months. I mean, I, I could actually have probably stayed at Truth Point for another year just doing chapter 11 if we went story by story, which you don't have to give me your reaction to that. <clears throat> He's trying to call to mind, but this is what I would say. If that calls to mind lots of good stories for you, then read on. But if it doesn't, if these names don't mean much, if you haven't heard them, then this is important. Go and look. Dig into, your, dig, dig into the word. Dig into the scripture. Hear these stories of faith. Because we want to have, even though we're not naturally, this audience was a Jewish audience. They were steeped in the Old Testament. They knew it really, really well. And we don't grow up that way. It's not that way. And if you're not there, if you don't know these, then go and learn them. And let them be an encouragement to you. Because you know what? Honestly... If you just read the Sunday school version of the Old Testament stories, those folks often just sound like heroes. But the Old Testament, one of the remarkable things about the word is it actually does reveal the ways that God's people were flawed and God was faithful. And so as we, as we, as we talk through that section, this is it. This is the culmination. This is the, this is the list of all the people. And, and have those people, have those names you can go back to. That can be an encouragement to you. But now I want to skip 35 to 38 for a minute. We're going to do that last. And so skip down to 39 with me because this next part is kind of interesting. And especially it doesn't, it doesn't read real well right away. Or at least I, I found it hard to understand immediately. And all of these. So this is now going back all the way to the very beginning when we were hearing about Abel. All of these people, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. Since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. So this part at the end, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect, that sounds a little bit strange, like somehow, I mean, are we somehow perfecting the, I mean, what, what's happening there? Well, actually, really, all it's, all, all it, the most likely thing that what that's saying is that God didn't, he, he had all of these heroes of the faith, and he told them of the promise, and they trusted in the promise, and they clung to the promises, 
but that we're actually, we're better off than them because we've seen Christ. So in, 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 a, in a sense, we are in an even better situation than they were. But that God, that that's without, not without us, is that God could have culminated it all a long time ago. And just like, you know what? This world is so messed up and people are so sinful. Let's just, let's call it right now. Let's let Isaiah finish out his ministry. We'll let him finish it out in triumph. I'll bring in Christ then. We'll restore the kingdom and go straight off into the future. But that, that God essentially was patient and wanting us 2,000 years later, 2,500 years later than some of these people, 3,000 years later than some of the people on the list, thousands of years later than others in the list who received the promises, that God wanted us to. And so that they, like us, are still waiting for a future perfection, but because God wanted you and me in his kingdom, these faithful people before him lived and died and didn't receive the full promise. And they're our community too. In fact, their lives, many of which weren't awesome and exciting, even though they sound good, in one sense, their lives were lived for us so that you and I can learn from them, can see them, and can be encouraged in our faith. And you know what? That's what we should be to each other as well, is that as we live our lives, we should be encouraging each other, bringing each other up, but also even in our weakness, even in our failures, even in those places where our story was awful, that by telling the awful parts of our stories and how God has redeemed us, that like these stories, we can be an encouragement to each other to help each other carry on. Come on, let's go. Jesus is better than any of those other promises. But then if this is what this is, if this is this motivational speech, what, what's happening here in 35 to 38? Look, look at this. Some were tortured, refusing to accept relief so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in, day, and in dens and caves of the earth. What? This is, this, this is a motivational speech, right? I mean, if you look at this, like how... How is this functioning as a motivational speech? If you're reading along, you're kind of going, yep, yep, okay. Like, I like this. I like this. Conquering kingdoms, parting the Red Sea, enforcing justice, obtaining promises, escaping the edge of the sword. That sounds great. But then all of a sudden, wait, 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 st stoned and sawn in two, killed with the sword, skins, what, what's happening here? In fact, if you were to go to this list, you might go to God and you might say, look, so I, I like the... Um, acceptable offerings. And um, yeah, I'm good for the, the impossible outcomes. If I can do the whole like raising my arms and parting the Red Sea, I'm a yes on that one. <laughs> 70 years building a boat, maybe. <laughs> but then sawn in two, I, I'd rather not. I, do, I know a guy at church. <laughs> He's taller than me. He might not notice as much. I, this is not, how is this motivational? Actually, the reason this is motivational is part of the problem. The reason, if, if it didn't, if, if you got it right away, then that's good. But if you didn't, the reason is because we're not the original audience. So these stories are stories of the prophets. And we do, this we can do. 
You and I, we're made, we're made to get stories of sacrifice and martyrs. We need to know the story. So if I, if I told a story of 9-11 and talked about firefighters and police officers, you would be motivated by that. If I talked about missionaries who gave up everything and went overseas, you would be motivated by that. If I talked about the ones who had no success on earth and even died or went to prison, you would be motivated by that. The reason this strikes us as odd right away is we don't immediately recognize these stories. These are the stories of the prophets. In fact, as you read that big section of your Bible, it's a huge portion of your Bible that we have a terribly hard time with. The authors, those prophets, their lives mostly didn't look all that great. Most of the prophets, most of the true prophets, were living and speaking and writing at a time that Israel was in rebellion. They were often saying things that nobody wanted to hear, they usually had people chasing them and trying to kill them. God often saved them, but at the fulfillment of their ministry, they often died horrible lives. And so the author here in this section that sounds like, I, what just happened? That's not how you finish a motivational speech, is the response of, you know, look, I, I think it's almost a correction because we hear so much the great things and we might miss that the prophets did great things. The people there in the audience would recognize they changed my world. But following God by faith and changing the world didn't result in an awesome life. It didn't result in fun. It didn't result in things being better. And this gets us back to the story at the beginning. Because I think as we finish out, one of the things we want to recognize here is we are called, the gospel says this, the gospel says this, all of us, the good news in Jesus Christ says this, all of us are broken. All of us are sinful. Even in our best moments, in ourselves, we can't set aside the taint of sin and everything we do falls short of being good enough. And the consequences of sin are eternal. Separation from God. There is no relationship with him in faith. There's no good enough. There's no a little bit. There's no just do better. But the good news is that Jesus Christ came not because we were good enough, that we finally had earned it, but because he chose to enter into time to make a people for himself by doing what we could never do. And that on the cross, he took the punishment for everything we had done wrong. Those before, those after, every human being who is in him has their sin fully paid for on the cross. If you're here and you know that word, then be reminded of it. What Jesus did was pay for everything. And he's not manipulating your life right now to make bad things happen because you didn't repent well enough or you weren't good enough since then. He took care of it all. But standing firm in that, he has called you to a life here on this earth. You're set free from yourself so that you're able to live for him. Because if it's living for yourself, it's going to be failure after failure after failure. But having had our Lord and Savior take care of everything, repent and know that it's fully owned, then knowing I am secure like the people that came before us that knew God promised he would make a people out of Isaac. 
I don't know what's going to happen as I go up this mountain, but God promised he'd make a people out of Isaac, and I'm going to go, and I don't know what's going to happen. That then, knowing and resting in God's promises, we're set free to live for him in this world because our hope is in the future, in the perfect promise that he's made. And one of the things that comes up in the church a lot, and actually one of the reasons we're doing this last, is because there is a powerful and horrifying powerful and horrifying error in the church right now. One of the biggest movements in the church worldwide is something called the prosperity gospel. It's something that says, if you love Jesus and then you live right, he's going to give you your best life now, not in heaven. These prophets, they must not have really loved him right. If they loved Jesus right, they would have had the good life. Your money is in God's pocket, and my money is in your pocket, but we just got to get this. If you put your faith in Christ and you start living right, it's all going to go well now. Now, some places are just full go into that kind of prosperity gospel message. And it's a disaster. And think about what it does. I get why it's tempting. I want things to be better. I'm suffering. Life is hard. I want it to be better, and somebody tells you Jesus will make it better later, and that's pretty good. But then somebody else tells you Jesus will make it better right now, and that sounds even better. It's powerful. I want that too. But think about what that would mean. Think about what that would mean. Imagine talking to somebody and saying, Jesus, if you love Jesus and you obey, you'll have all good things. And they say, I don't have all good things. What have you said to them? You don't love Jesus well enough. Immediately you've said that. I'm suffering. I want to be, I want a good life now. Here, Jesus will give you. A month later, it didn't happen. You're not doing it well enough. Or maybe you did. You won the lottery the next week and you say, woohoo, Jesus really did do it. And that, as if that somehow you've achieved righteousness. But imagine this is even more horrifying if we look backwards through history. If the church, if the gospel was one, in which loving Christ meant riches and glory and power here on earth? What do we say to the people who were persecuted in the past? What do we say to the people who were oppressed in the past? What do we say to the people who were rich in the past? If you said you love Jesus and you were rich, you must have been righteous no matter how you look now. You were enslaved. You were killed. You were sawn in half. You didn't really serve well enough. And, you know, frankly, they probably deserved it. That is no Christianity. If you're here, I'm sure you aren't drawn to the full prosperity gospel. But like all errors, it has a way of pushing itself in to little bits and pieces. And I want to tell you, as the author of Hebrews encourages you to live for Christ, he's encouraging you to live a costly life. It's costly for now because your best life is in the future. It's costly for now because other people need you and they're in rebellion or they need you and they're broken or they need you and they're growing and so we are left here set free. God, can't you just like save me and then take me home? Nope, he's got work for us to do. And that's what the author of Hebrews is saying to us. Listen, 
Christ has set you free. He's done it once and for all. You are taken care of. Do not worry about your sin in terms of your kingdom. And we're going to talk about discipline here shortly. I'm not saying sin goes away. You're set free. But be my people. I'm working my promises just like all of those people were used that my promises could get worked out. You and I are being used that God's promises can be worked out. Flawed, broken, failed, sinful. That God's promises can be worked out here on earth. And that is how this seemingly strange, seemingly hard, seemingly different bit of text about the martyrs, about those who suffered before us should remind us as well as all the stories of glory. I've been set free. I'm part of a people. God called me. He loved me. And he's going to be using me, whether my life looks glorious or not, so that others can come to know him and that all of us can be strengthened. And that is the call of Hebrews 11. All of that was done. Can you imagine being there in the, really, in the early audience? They heard it all at once. All of that that we've been doing, this constant reminder. Remember Christ. He set you free. Remember your first love. Remember how you were on fire. Remember all the people who went before you. Remember what God did. Christ has paid it all. Now, come on, y'all. Come on, us. Come on, as a group. Let's live like people set free. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you set us free. Lord, I pray that you can help us. Some of this is, it's, it's hard because we do want to do what's right, but it's so easy to twist that into selfishness and trying to do what's right to be right with you. Lord, help us to understand how to both immediately rely on you as having fully set us free. And yet, Lord, also to be encouraged to put away our sin and to live, to live lives reflecting the gospel here in this world, individually and as a body, encouraging each other and carrying the good news through our actions everywhere we go. We pray this in your holy name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this audio recording produced by Truthpoint Church. We encourage you to distribute this to as many people as you'd like, but please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way. For more information about our ministry or to subscribe to our podcast, please visit our website at www.truthpoint.org.